0: Welcome to the DNA Conference podcast series, hosted by Bob Cooney. The DNA Conference in LA is a first-of-its-kind gathering of some of the brightest and most innovative minds in simulation, virtual reality, gaming, retail, movies, advertising, education, and social media. Hosted by the Davidson Center on the campus of the University of Southern California, DNA Conference LA facilitates a higher level of understanding of these varied components with sessions tailored to educate and inform those developing, operating, or investing in the out-of-home entertainment market. All right, we're here at day two of the DNA Conference in uh, L.A., and I'm here with Daniel Myers from Second Story and Jason Brush with Possible, formerly schematic, part of the WPP Worldwide Group. Um, and you guys just uh, were part of a, what I consider a, fashion, a fascinating session on... New gesture-based motions of interactivity and story, and I'm just going to shut up and uh, and really turn it over, Daniel. If you want to kind of give us a start on your background sure. and, and and why you're here.
1: Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I uh, work for Second Story Interactive Studios. Uh, we're based in Portland, Oregon. Um, my background is uh, maybe a little a little different than the um, average background uh, in this industry. Um, I come from architecture. Um, I came into Second Story. Um, to help build the capacity for the understanding of the marriage of media and space, um, which I think is apropos to the discussion today, which was, I think, fundamentally about how we can make interfaces that get the technology out of the way of um, consumers and out of the way of visitors so that they can experience content, whether it's um, institutional content or brand-based content, in um, really direct ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
2: and uh, I'm uh, Jason Brush uh, with Possible. Um, my background is is in uh, content creation. I, I, I uh, studied film. I teach at the film school at UCLA. Um, started my career in dedicated dedicating it to figuring out how to use technologies to create new types of content experiences. And that, and at possible, formally schematic. We did we we're well known for doing a lot of our um, a lot of uh, content distribution experiences. Right. Right and um, and enhance content experiences and i think you know with new technologies um, uh... with uh, large-scale touch screens and with motion sensing and and and, and others you know we're seeing the sort of uh... evolution of those experiences from uh, screens screens on walls or screen or, or you know tvs and 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 mobile devices and then now becoming part of an environment and right and um, and I think one of the things to me that's most exciting about that is that content has always been a sort of social experience, and you know with TV, for instance, like you spend a lot of time. I mean one of the wonderful things about about going out to movies or uh, sitting in front of uh, a, a favorite TV show is the social experience right. and I mean somebody at the conference talked about our talked about people walking around in digital bubbles right <laughs> that are kind of created by their their mobile devices, and I think one of the most exciting things about sort of um the introduction of these technologies into buildings into spaces is that it 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 it, it gives us a chance to sort of create new social environments right
1: right you know it's sort of interesting you know as a as a person with a background in architecture i'm sort of predisposed to being a a bit of a luddite yeah Uh, you know i'm in love with material and space and light and and all the sort of uh, you know the elements that that are in the palette of the, the architect um But in some respects I feel like uh, we're at an amazing moment in history when we're able to start thinking about, we can eliminate some of our um, assumptions about what it Mm -hmm. means to be in that that digital bubble. You know, I'm as active on social media as anybody in my demographic. Um, And I'm starting to think of my interactions with people in the the, quote digital realm as, as as meaningful and as real as the interactions that i'm having outside of that realm what's really interesting to me is that we're at this moment where those things are, are being married to one another right. the idea that these very real experiences i'm having uh you know on facebook you know sharing images with people on mm-hmm. instagram um are starting to be conflated with real uh, interactions that yeah, i'm having yeah. in in physical space um and related to, to material you know the material life and right. i think that um just, you know, as an artist, as an individual, I'm fascinated by that moment. And I think that um, for institutions and for, brand, and for brands that are um, starting to pay attention to the way that that, that intersection is right. happening, there's an opportunity to connect with people um, at a really deep level. Yeah. that's not, uh, you know, as superficial as some uh, recent social media marketing. Sure,
2: sure. And, I mean, I think w- one, of the, one of the most exciting things about that is that is that you, you think about conversations – that happen, you know, conversations that happen with friends, or, or, um, um, you know, uh, uh, the types, of those sorts of social interactions, you know, I think what's what's fascinating about the introduction of these sort of uh, of, of, of digital media into that is that is that is that you have. Online experiences, which kind of tee up or set the stage for or the context for real, real physical interactions, right? right? right. And and then and then uh, likewise, you have the opportunity to kind of continue conversations after your after your physical encounter ends. And so, I mean, how often have you been at a party where you know people are talking about what happened online, right? right or right. that you know it's uh, what happens online is what happen is 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 a sort of recap or a continuation of. The sort of engagement that you've had in the space. Yeah, that's, that's really you interesting.
1: Know. I mean, thinking about you know from a sort of an experience design perspective, yeah. thinking that that uh, you know one opportunity is to have a continuous conflation. Of mm-hmm. digital and, and physical experiences where you, you're not quite sure where the boundaries are. Right. But the other opportunity that you described at the beginning, you used the term teeing off. Yeah. There's there's also a narrative opportunity for really surprising sure. moments right. uh, at which a digital experience suddenly becomes physical or vice versa. Right, right. Um, you know, and th- those those are new uh, new colors that are available right. to, uh, to us as designers.
2: Yeah, and, and you think about, I mean, the 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 role of the architect or the role of the interior designer as being as being something Something which, you know, previously, it's like you're you're really, you know, architects were concerned with designing the experience that was contained inside of that building, Mm. right? right? And not something that is necessarily... You know, there are exceptions, of course, but not necessarily connected to the outside world, right? Right. right. You know, to what people were doing before or where they're going after. And now, all of a sudden, with entertainment experiences and stuff like that, you're having to look at that experience. And it's the same for. um, auto design and other things right you know auto design designers would would traditionally think about the driving experience not the experience at home before and the experience at work after right Right. you
1: know right you know it's it's fascinating my that the uh, example that i always love to trot out when i try and explain to people what i do is that um you know architecture and media used to be married in in very sort of obvious ways you go into a medieval cathedral and you have media all sorts right. of media paintings stained right. glass etc right. married in a very direct and intentional way with the architecture they, right. they're made to right. to create one experience and in interesting ways those experiences are also meant to radiate out into other parts of the right lives, absolutely right? so right I, I mean i one thing i i generally attempt to do when i'm presented with any design mm-hmm. problem is is uh, think about um, other ways that the same problem has right. been solved using you know an entirely different set of right. tools. Right. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, that idea of, of, of looking, of thinking about, um, I think that example of cathedrals is really insightful because you think because the, the the amount of text, right, the, the the number of stories that exist inside of those cathedrals are. You know, there are many, many more than you could possibly experience in one right. in, in in one visit, right? And they were designed to be read over a lifetime, absolutely, right? And yeah. interpreted in different ways. And all of a sudden, now you know, we're talking about um, uh, uh, media inside of spaces, which is necessarily evolving and changing. Right. And you know, the right. spaces that we go into are gonna continue to evolve in that absolutely. same way. I mean, that's the fundamental difference, right. if you want to. Find one, right? And,
1: which, which to me is is an amazing opportunity and sort of representative of um, the fundamental differences culturally between that historical moment and this one. Right. You know, there are so many more of us now. Yeah. We have um, opportunities to uh, be much more intelligent about the way that we evolve uh, culturally, about the way that yeah. we
2: evolve in terms of the way that commerce works. Yeah. You, you asked a great question during one of the um, one of the sessions where we're talking about the kind of uh, the increasing divide between uh, um experiences which which are being created and marketed towards the sort of the affluent section of our mm-hmm. the component of our society right. and then versus the mass market right and I'm I'm I I was thinking the same thing during that which is that you know how can we transcend that because we're talking right. about technology which is you know fundamentally all of this technology in my mind one of the reasons why I got into it was because of its empowering quality right absolutely and and that, for the first time, you have this device devices which can be simultaneously the modes of production, the means of production and consumption right and that's it's a huge shift, right it's as, as significant as any te- technology in the history of humanity and and so the idea that we're designing just for you know just for privilege you know, for, you know spaces right. spaces of privilege, I think is um. It's troubling, and it's, I, I wonder how we right. I mean, get around it, it's that. very challenging. Those those the statistics are very real. Yeah. Um, so,
1: I, I think the question we have to ask ourselves um, as designers, uh, both in terms of the, the commercial implications and in terms of the, the larger humanitarian implications, yeah. the political implications are, um, how can we devise innovative solutions to problems using mm-hmm. uh, the tools that are at hand, um, that can leverage that inherent sort of flexibility mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to, to start delivering these experiences to, right. to people who to whom they're not available. I mean, they're, you know, the last ten years have been filled with uh, all sorts of initiatives. The one lap one laptop no, one no, yeah. child sure. initiative. Um, as the cost of the technologies decreases, yes. and as our um, ability to be efficient creating content for these technologies uh, improves. Um, I think we will be able to deliver these experiences to more people uh, of less means, and yeah. I, I think it's a moral imperative. Yeah, well,
2: I things. mean, and I think you look at you look at the the penetration of um, smartphones among among uh, 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 the broader demographic, right? And you have sure. households and families that are lower income that they don't have an internet, they don't have a hardline internet connection at home, or they don't have a laptop at home, but they do have increasingly smartphones. Right. And so I think the opportunity when we talk about reaching a broader broader audience like there are very high end sophisticated integration of technology into spaces for premium experiences and I think the question is how can we How can we empower people to use the technology that they're using every day, all the time, that they have a, you know, how can we make those devices connect to buildings, connect to spaces in meaningful ways? Absolutely. Well, And, and, you know, over time, brands are going to have to look
1: at doing that or they're going to lose massive segments of them.
0: So what does that, does that intersect with education? I mean, there's a big movement now with tablets and pushing into education. There's hard statistics now that show that learning skyrockets when you, you know, introduce that type um, of… Just I'm, an I'm
2: in the middle of a very, very large project for designing uh, designing interfaces for classrooms. Right, um, that'll you know um, hopefully have a big impact uh, on, on on students' lives. And I think one of the important things there is to is that. W- the digital technologies are there to facilitate a process. Mm-hmm. They're there to empower the teachers. They're there to empower student activity. They're not there to be just fancy textbooks. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. fundamental. Yeah.
1: Really, ultimately, what matters is the content. Right.
2: The, the, the medium is a tool, and the yeah. tools,
1: by necessity, yeah. evolve over time. But the, the content uh, must always be the first element. Yeah.
2: And so when we talk about, I think when we, when we're talking about space. We're talking about designing for out-of-home experiences, right? So whether that's a museum, um, a shopping mall, a store, a, a amusement park, I think it's it's fundamentally, you know, the, the thing that, that that I find most important is 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 looking at the technology as a mechanism to 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 solve a user need, solve somebody's. A, a problem that somebody has or to give utility value and not something that is should be used just for just for show demonstration right? of
0: technology
2: there are lots of good i think i think i think there are research projects right where you can where you want to take a technology and put out there put it out there in order to experiment with it and try to prove out what it is capable of mm-hmm. Um, and and, and that 's that's really important. I think the arts are a great, great place for that yeah, right Certainly. but when we 're talking about you know commercial applications, communication applications, I think you know it, it really you have to start from a point of view of like well what human need are we meeting right, right. i mean that 's sort of interesting I think the the, the whole uh,
1: continuum of risk management and, mm. and risk acceptability I think it 's great that we we live in a moment when there are um, People working at sort of every end of that spectrum. You know, yeah. we have we have people doing very uh, low-cost, um, right. very experimental work all over the place, and people who are very yeah. risk-averse, who are who are you know to the degree that it's possible right now, applying uh, metrics to experiences to try and measure well, how they work. Well,
2: that that the fear, the risk ad- <laughs> risk-averseness uh, uh, <laughs> is a significant obstacle. I mean, to you know, th- this conference was about entertainment, right? And and I think that particularly when you look at um, you know we're here in L.A. heart uh, of the entertainment industry, and there's no industry which is more risk adverse than the entertainment industry, yeah. right? And you you know and, and in many ways for good reason. You look at the trends and they're you know are trying to maintain uh, you know maintain viewership, maintain interest among the public for for their product. At the same time. You know what that does is it stifles creativity and it stifles innovation and right. and so you know I come from an independent film background and you know everybody talks these days about the death of independent film and I think one of the problems is that we look at we look at media as a we look at the the media of the past as these fixed. Um, Formats and containers and buckets that we have to work within, right? right? You know, this is a feature film. This is a sitcom. This is an hour-long drama. This which is, is a hilarious because right? all
1: of those are, are buckets that are less than a hundred years old.
2: Absolutely, right. right? And so, and so, I think the I think the real the real challenge is, you know, when, as we're moving forward, is figuring out how to define new forms of entertainment which can be kind of digested both by the public and then also understood by industry as something that that, that uh, um, uh, uh, can be monetized. <laughs> right. Well, right. That's, I, that it's, <laughs> a,
1: that's a really interesting challenge, right? Because if you look at you know, the sort of formal semiotics as they've operated in the past. I, I don't know that anybody ever monetized sonata form. Maybe they <laughs> did, and I don't know it. Uh, but it, but it, f- it feels to yeah. me like we're in some ways inventing genres yeah, right sure. now right. that do have commercial potential right. in sure. ways that some previous ways of organizing knowledge and art haven't. Right, right, right.
0: Well, that's um, – my mind is blown, gentlemen. <laughs> so this is uh, a taste of uh, what you have to – what you can expect from the DNA conference. I think some of the greatest minds in technology and entertainment coming together to share ideas and, and, and talk about where we're going. And I don't know that we solved all the world's problems, but we no. identified <laughs> some questions. Um, what did you think of the conference?
2: Oh, I thought, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, I, I appreciated the way in which um, – it focuses on a very, very specific cross-section, which is, you know, a really vital component of forming our kind of, of uh, the new business and cultural landscape. And, and it's something that, you know, is often in other in other conferences is kind of relegated to the corner, and uh, it was really nice to see it front and center. Yeah, yeah. yeah I
1: agree. I, I uh, unfortunately, was only able to join today and, and wasn't able to see uh, all the presentations yesterday. I heard quite a bit about it. It sounded like it was amazing. Um you know, I think it's it, we're we're in this this very um, surprising new landscape for many of us, both from the perspective of business and from the perspective of uh, of creation of of experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really wonderful to see us. Um, getting together and talking okay. about
0: it. Yeah, that's great stuff. Well, that's, uh, that's it for the session of uh, the podcast from uh, the DNA Conference in Los Angeles 2012, and hopefully we'll see you guys back next year. All right. Yep. All right. Thanks, Thanks for joining Bob. us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DNA Conference LA podcast. To download additional podcasts, or to get more information on the Digital Out-of-Home Entertainment Association and other upcoming DNA events, please go online to www.dnaconference.org.